0: Hello everyone, this is Attila Toad and welcome to The Cogniverse Show where I interview top marketing managers, CMOs, product owners and world-class digital experts to find out how they tackle the complex challenges of digital transformation, how they find the road of success and what are the tips and tricks they use to achieve outstanding results. In this episode, we'll talk in depth about branding and personal branding strategies and the importance of content marketing through the lens of digital design. You will see how a digital content creator can reach over 100,000 followers on Instagram in just two years. You will also find out what it takes to maintain an educational YouTube channel with more than 25,000 subscribers. In the competitive field of digital illustration and design. Today's guest, talented graphic designer, illustrator, content creator, strategist and entrepreneur Robert Matias will take us through the steps to success and share the industry's secrets. Robert has gained valuable experience working with luxury startups and other brands such as Adobe, Yellow Images, Pony, Spline and Domestika just to mention a few. As a content creator, Robert regularly comes up with short how-to videos about typography, branding, visual effects, poster design, motion design and animation and the like. You can connect with Robert via LinkedIn and make sure to check out his Behance, his Instagram account and YouTube channel. I will put the links in the show note. Without further ado, Please enjoy this episode with Robert. Hey, Robert, welcome to the Cogniverse show. I have so many questions. Hopefully we'll have time to cover them all, but I think the best place to start with is your results and potential plans.
1: Hey there. Uh, Sure. Um, so the whole thing with Instagram basically exploded in, um, yeah somewhere around at the beginning of uh 2021 and basically at the end somewhere around october november it got really big and i received a lot of clients and from there um until i think it, it kept going until like next year 2022 until like six more months but i couldn't resist it like it was so big it got like i received so so many uh projects that um basically I couldn't keep going anymore so it was real I never thought you know it, it's busy this is basically gonna work out or something like that but you know it got like really successful some around um October November um 2021 and so the thing was like I need to also manage the content creation phase and I also needed to manage the clients and manage the
0: project. So it was like too much for me. So. Mm-hmm. so basically you went on social media as a test to try it out, thinking what can happen. And from what I understand, it went better than what you expected.
1: Well, you know, the goal, uh, the purpose, you know, going on Instagram was basically to fine-tune my skills to get better at design that was my whole thing and the main idea you know to get myself motivated was to post something everything you know every single day on on instagram so that why that's that's how i kept myself motivated motivated to you know to get myself better in design you know i was like learning animation skills like how to animate logos or how to do logo design better or you know, like this and that, and basically in the first two months, it wasn't, I mean, nothing was happening, you know. I was just posting, I wasn't getting results, but I wasn't focused, you know, to get any results. So I wasn't uh, focusing, you know, to get money out of Instagram or grow a following out of Instagram.
0: Sure, so your focus was to be consistent and to publish on a daily basis, right?
1: Yes, exactly. So I wanted to get better at, at in design because I knew that I wasn't that good. I knew that I have certain problems you know, in design and uh, I needed to get better in some areas, for example, in typography, in, in, in animation, and a lot more so. I just was working, you know, and then was thinking to create a nice portfolio to update it. And uh, yeah, that was basically my goal.
0: Yeah, I think the best way to grow also professionally, but also in terms of content, is if you focus on the content quality, because in between the lines, that's what I'm seeing here, that you didn't have a business goal. What you had in mind is to become better And in this case, becoming better in your Instagram posts means becoming a better designer, a better professional. But that also comes hand in hand with becoming a better content creator. So yeah, it makes sense. And I think that mindset should be something that inspires other professionals to think of content as the key focus. Because if you become better at what you do, then the results will follow. And I'm really glad that we're touching this topic. And to continue on that, what are your plans for this year? So did you change strategy or how you will tackle these two channels, YouTube and Instagram together in 2022? As you said, you have limited capacity. So I'm curious how you plan it. Yeah,
1: so basically, I'm going to change the whole thing. Um, so in 21, I was, you know, doing services, 100%. Uh, but right now, I'm also going to focus on creating products um, to develop some online courses and, you know, to productize this channel base because 95% of the people who are following me, following me they are, they want to learn design and they want to get better at design and and then 5% are basically clients who want my services. And they are also getting like, I also get big payments from them and the product base is going to, going to be like with low payments, I mean, you know, more lower prices, you know, selling service, I mean, selling, uh, uh these online courses or eventually sell,
0: selling, uh, di- digital design assets
1: and stuff like this.
0: Well, you had a very interesting kickoff. Congratulations on the growth. Thank you. And I like your idea to think a bit ahead and work on how you can scale your services and what you just said, creating digital assets that make it possible to create value from the same product so you don't have to be there for each and every service. I think that's an interesting road and looking forward to see what you will achieve this year. And maybe we'll continue from here in our next discussion in 2023. Sounds great. Um, Before we go further, I want to pick your brain. What do you think? What is the most interesting for your followers in terms of your content? So what are the types of content that they like and they in return to and they engage with? And when was the moment you realized that, okay, this is the type of content you need to create in order to further grow your channels and, of course, your professional career?
1: Yeah, so after a couple of months, actually, after, like, I think, like, it was, like, 12 months when I, you know, did a, basically, I I recapped the whole year, like, what I was posting and I checked on Instagram, you know, the most engaging posts and i categorized them from best engaging to mid engaging and also low engaging content so i basically separated in t- three cate- categories and i mm-hmm. saw i noticed that, that in the most engaging ones like which got like half million of engagement is like big numbers was like these special effects on, on typography or these optical illusions i was surprised that not it, they, it wasn't like these logos what i was like you know, most passionate about or Mm -hmm. typography, you know, I, I'm also really passionate about, passionate about typography. That that was like the most least engaging. And, um, so yeah, people want to know about how I debunk special effects or they are sending me the designs and asking me how to do this and how to do that. If you can debunk this special effect or that, because people are basically really curious, And nobody gives the answer for that because these artists, I don't know, they, they want to get these informations out they want to tell, they, they don't want to tell you how it's done. And I was doing, I was debunking some of these effects and people were like really engaging on these posts. So basically the special effects, you know, that, that section and optical illusions and you know Mm -hmm. that's how like other great designers started to started to talk about me and study my stuff what i did like because i did like these special effects mostly and
0: optical effects interesting from what you say if i understand it correctly it means that basically you're giving answers for some questions that nobody answered before exactly and i think that's key in your success. Because if you create content that everybody can create that you don't have a chance. But if you give them real value, then people will appreciate it. And as you said, if nobody answers these questions, then we'll come to you for these answers. So it's very useful.
1: Yes, and also it's it. It also created a, a, a little bit of controversy and a little bit of hate because you know, some designers and artists don't want it to uh, know these. I mean, they don't want it to spread this information or reveal this information. And mm-hmm. a little percentage got like pissed off, you know, but the majority, like 99%, like it's cool, it's good, you know, and even mm-hmm. like controversies, like good marketing
0: on the one hand and on the other hand. There's that saying, if you create something to be different, and if you want to make something that has an impact, then for sure there will be some people and the part of your audience who will not like it, who will try to go against it. And there's also this idiom that says, if you want to please everybody, then sell ice cream. But I think even in ice cream, there are so many different flavors you cannot satisfy everybody's needs it comes with success that once you start getting visibility on your brand and on your work then people would comment say their opinions and some of those opinions won't be positive but that shouldn't be something to demotivate you
1: oh no well there's also like different implementations that Instagram did and YouTube also did, that these um, algorithms now detect all sorts of like, hate comments or all sorts of negative stuff. Even Mm -hmm. there's like not swearing words, you know, they really detect those and they just eliminate. It's like really interesting.
0: Yes, most of these platforms have a bunch of algorithms behind them and many people only want to hack them in order to gain followers and coverage. But you are constantly providing high quality content besides working with the platform's specifics. So, what was your approach? Alongside your original content, did you get acquainted with the algorithms too? You gained a lot of followers in a relatively short time basically i needed
1: to learn like how the algorithm operates also so how i need to post and stuff like those so it's important to understand the algorithm and there are people Mm -hmm. who are talking about the algorithm and describing like what is their behavior and how the how how the algorithm is operating because you can do whatever whatever you want but if you're not doing the way the algorithm wants then your your content is useless on, on the social media platform that you're uploading, you know. TikTok is a new thing, you know. TikTok's algorithm is way different than Instagram's algorithm. You need to study the algorithm first and then post because you will mess it up. You won't get engagement, you know.
0: So you managed to understand how the algorithm works in order to make the most of your posts, your content.
1: Yes. <clears throat> For mm-hmm. example... On Instagram, Instagram is, is based on hashtags in order to get engagement, you know, and and get more famous and stuff like that. So there is a different thing. The algorithm is, is analyzing every single post on, on on these hashtags, you know, and these hashtags groups. And at the end, for example, under a hashtags, hashtag group, let's say, for example, logo design, Hashtag, uh, and, and under that, it's analyzing the the full picture of those content, like how they look, and if the algorithm saws a one particular one particular style and theme that all those images create, that algorithm gonna think like we're gonna need most more similar post, which is posted here. You know, let's say for example, it's it's a a color between black, red and blue then the like most most images are on under those colors and the algorithm gonna think we're gonna need to boost more images that are on those color styles so in the top nine posts, because that's what matters are gonna boost more images and that kind of style or let's say you're posting pictures in a hashtag that is related to poppies you know if you're posting an image with a cat and your hashtag is poppy, then the algorithm gonna sees it that this is a cat and it's gonna identify as a cat. So it won't give engagement to that post because the, the algorithm knows that that content is not relevant to the specific hashtag. So it's pretty intelligent. It's, it's really interesting. And this is, this basically creates the trends, you know, in these hashtag categories that people, most people, what they post, you know, in that style, that you are that that creates a trend you know and you're gonna need to somehow infiltrate in that hashtag base you need to upload something similar like that
0: interesting so you are also watching what is trendy and trying to create content that is trending and you also select topics that are important for you and they have a good follower base and then you try to infiltrate into that hashtag topic yes um,
1: so basically this is how it works uh, you can do it other ways um, you also like you need to analyze a lot you need to do you need to do your homework analyze the hashtags there's like hashtags which are like really competitive you can make something in that specific trend or style but you won't enter because that specific hashtag is like so competitive or but there's like you know software out there or or these research platforms you know you can enter your and you can analyze the hashtags and that software gonna predict like this hashtag is this competitive uh that hashtag is more easier to get in you know uh, so there's like a lot of data that goes into it and uh yeah basically this is what i did last year a lot you know i i uh, basically caught some trends and i got like really successful with hashtags and you know the main idea it was to when i post something i add 30 hashtags under so the hash in order to succeed with you know with these hashtags is that let's say you have a thousand followers that means you need to research a hashtag that has somewhere around a thousand posts You don't research a hashtag that has a million posts or a hundred million posts. You will never, ever get there into the top nine because it's very important to try to get into the top nine because that's what people are looking. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing is, like, I was researching small hashtags and that were, like, not that competitive and to be also in the same style. Uh, But you also can do compromises. It doesn't need to be... 100% 100% that uh, that same specific team, you also can get in if the hashtag is not that competitive, if people there are not that competitive, they are not posting in every second, like in those competitive hashtags where like, people are really engaging, they're like posting in every single second, and then it's like
0: changing super fast. And on that note, so what you did was only organic posts. you didn't had paid promotion, right?
1: Yes. It's like hundred percent organic.
0: It's interesting that you went on a data level and likely that's also part of your success because from what I see happening in the markets, many people and many brands who are active on social platforms don't go into the data, so they want to get engagement, but they don't learn what's behind engagement and that way they don't have a real chance because of course, as you said, if there's a hashtag that is really popular, usually that means that's also really competitive. And in order to get there, you need to find those hashtags that I like to call niche hashtags, which have enough followers or have enough interest, but they are not so competitive.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly you know and also regarding to this engagement uh we're talking about a social media platform where we're talking about people who want to socialize you know it's a people people to people thing so the algorithm understand this i mean the algorithm is programmed to you know these to work on these social cues and it's also programmed to track these engagements, you know, for example, how you communicate with people, how often do you comment, do you, do you reply to the comments, you know, and that thing is going to boost your engagement also. And, and uh, you know, it's counted by percentage. You can see also that. And if you're getting, I, I mean, if you're engaging with people, you know, if you're commenting, if you're receiving comments and replying to those, the algorithm also going to promote that. For example, I have another guy who grew his page to like 95K, 95,000 followers. You know, I know that guy, he's from Netherlands or something. I don't know, but uh, he didn't post every single day. You know, he's not consistent with posting. But in the other hand, he's really, really engaging. His comment section in every single post is like beyond two three hundred comments, you know and he's like really engaging with every every single person he's like a really social guy that's that mm-hmm. that is his thing you know I'm not that social i I don't like to i'm more like an introvert or something like that, and i'm more morally focused on content so uh he is growing a lot because he's doing a lot of comments and that stuff, and the algorithm understands it and you know. That how is he is growing. So there's like different text, tactics and strategies you can apply on Instagram, and and it works.
0: And I think that also applies to other platforms as well. And that's why I said initially that okay, you can tap into understanding the algorithm, and tap into what some call growth hacking. But unless you create value, then basically you are just on the platform, and you will not have any success and it's a very good example with this guy from the Netherlands what you just said because the value he creates is probably in the comments and as you said he's a social guy his service is giving out tips is giving out feedback and that's also value and of course that's an engagement counter for the algorithm it's similar in other platforms as well even on LinkedIn or YouTube comments matter And it also matters how you engage with comments. And I think we've talked quite deeply about Instagram, but let's go a bit also on the YouTube part because I'm sure that many of our listeners are creating video content, especially I'm talking about business listeners who want to get better in terms of promoting their brand with video. What were the learnings on YouTube? What do you think are the most important tricks and tips that can make you and your content grow better? What was your experience there? Well, the first thing I'm gonna tell you that
1: YouTube is like way more difficult than Instagram. I mean, we're talking about something that looks like Netflix. You need, you need to create professional content there i mean Mm -hmm. the truth is you don't even need like high quality videos but your content what you're posting you're going to talk in front of the camera it needs to be really engaging if you're talking like three minutes it has to be the whole three minutes really you know to keep the eyes on you and there's like a lot of soft skills involved it's not that easy you know and It's really good if you have somebody, you know, edit the videos or help you out because it's a lot of media production behind. If you want to succeed with YouTube, Um, there's a lot of stuff involved. The truth is I didn't have that much time to focus on YouTube like 100% because it's just really time consuming. And, you know, because I was working with also other clients and doing a lot. But I did learn a lot from YouTube also. I did my homework and a few of the things like I can say the thumbnails are one of the most crucial things that if your video is going to be watched or not, you know, at least 50% of the success rate, if that Mm -hmm. thumbnail is attractive or not. Same thing on Instagram, you know, if you want to succeed on those top nine hashtags, you need a really appealing thumbnail. So people are gonna click on, so this is gonna come with time and experience, like how you're gonna figure it out after a lot of trial and error and failures, like what works and what not. In that specific niche, you can inspire from others, you know, to see how they did, but it's a very important. So then also the thing is like, you know, if you're posting something, it needs to be engaging. You don't, you can't be boring because you can see after you post after 24 hours, going to show you the statistics like um, in what section of the video people watch the most and then you have the decline that people people start to leave so you need to check that area out why people are leaving what what is going on so you need to figure those areas out why weren't you engaging in that spot or you know after wait a sec how it was like You can do like, um, those eight to 10 minute videos where you can, uh, post, um, commercials wherever you want on the video. So you can put a commercial, an ad on the video and on the, basically on those long videos that take like eight to 10 minutes, you know, you really need to create serious content and you really need to be good at that stuff. In my case, I'm not that good, you know. I saw how professional YouTubers are doing it, but that's on a whole new level. Um, I'm doing like short videos, uh, three, four minute videos. Um, people, because I saw like people don't like to watch, you know, long videos, so I'm trying to do these shorter videos. Now there's like a new thing that is going on on YouTube. It's called, you know, the YouTube Shorts because tiktok yeah. exploded and uh now every social media platform got panicked because tiktok is killing everything you know instagram yeah. implemented the reels um youtube implemented the shorts pinterest inter- implemented the same structure you know this uh video thing and now because of this these platforms are giving you better boost if you are doing these shorts and reels like on tiktok so Mm -hmm. um, they're getting you better promotion but the thing on youtube is that uh what youtube does the youtube uh, youtube algorithm does is analyzing your videos okay um how many percentage is is overly watched on your videos so let's say your videos on your videos got watched like I don't know, 30%, 25%. That's really low. You know, if you create these short videos, these reels or what these TikTok videos that they implemented, you know, it's it's going to take like 15 seconds, you know, to 25 seconds. So the duration of these videos is going to be like really short. People are going to watch it to the end. So you're going to have somewhere on from 80% to 200% of engagement because... Or what is that like of watch time you know because they people might watch it again and again because it's really short and you know and this is the trick in there because the algorithm gonna watch it like see it like this guy has like bigger um um watch time you know instead of like twenty five forty percent this guy has like eighty eighty eight percent a hundred percent you know two hundred percent so it's like you know, hacking the system somehow, which YouTube gave the opportunity. Chris Doe from the future was talking about this, and I saw from you know, I, I saw like few months ago there was like posting only short videos on 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 the future page. I was like, what are they doing? They, before that, they was uh, they were like posting high quality content that took from ten minutes to fifty to fifty minutes to to there's like long videos with a lot of values. And now what they're doing is like posting only these short 40 second videos. And uh, their their page grew out exponentially. So they reached like great success. And they talk about like Mm -hmm. in the first two months, nothing. It was nothing, you know, there was like posting consistently these short videos people didn't care about. But after like uh, one or two months, the whole thing exploded. And, you know, they they were like posting, they were like on this YouTube channel for like eight years or something like that. But now they are having the biggest success with these really short videos. I don't know. It's it's really interesting.
0: Yes. And as you said, that's also part of the bigger game that these platforms compete with each other. YouTube had to pull something against TikTok and it will be interesting to see how this changes in the future because right now youtube is probably the best way to monetize your content whereas on tiktok and instagram you don't get paid for creating content and on that note i wanted to ask did you apply for the youtube premium partnership to get your channel monetized or that's not yet happening
1: yes like long time ago now i mean i Yes, last year so the the goal was to like reach uh four thousand hours of watch time. Mm-hmm. Um, I reached that in the first three months because my focus then was to create like long content, so I was creating like videos between five and ten minutes, so I wasn't creating like these really short videos that I'm doing now because my goal was to like reach that milestone of four thousand and from there. You know, you can monetize your videos. Uh, YouTube gives you access uh, to those tools. And yeah, right yesterday, I was talking about to my accountant, like how to, you know, work this paperwork out because like YouTube is sending payments, monthly payments, and you need to work with the accountant to,
0: you know, to... um, To help with the legal part to handle those payments. Yeah yeah yeah. And you know what's the difference cool. between
1: you know what's the, the difference between YouTube and the rest of the social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok? So I'm YouTube is a is a strong search engine. YouTube is Google's. Google is the most strongest search engine in the world. And the mm-hmm. thing is like your videos on YouTube are assets. You know, there's that search bar People are going to search something and your video going to reappear again and again and again. On Instagram, on TikTok, on, on Facebook, you got the feeds. You know, your post is going to appear once and it's going to go down and it's going dis- to disappear forever. So you have like this 1% window of opportunity that your content is going to shine. Of course, if you're going to enter in those famous hashtags, it's going to last for like few few more days but that's it it's gonna pass away it's done so that's the longevity of the content that you are posting on these social media platforms versus on youtube what what you're posting on youtube is an asset people let's say people are interested in real estate that thing is like bulletproof you know it it, people want to live somewhere you know they want to know about those you know and then some business people want to search about real estate and they want to research all the time, you know, or let's say, let's talk about entertainment, you know, these entertaining, funny videos. They, people want to get entertained, you know, and people want to learn and they're going to research all the time what's on YouTube.
0: Yes, and on that note, I think that's also the critical difference in terms of the content type. The video format on the one hand, as you said, has longevity, It stays on the platform and people can find it even after two or three years. And if it's still relevant, they will look at it. That's one part. Uh, And the other part, when you create a video, that video you can use on other platforms. But that video also means that you have a script behind it, you have written content. So yeah, as you said, YouTube is not an easy game to play, but once you invest in it, then you can reuse that knowledge multiple times. So probably it's harder to start, but on the long term, it has the best return on investment. Of course, you need to learn a lot and probably today it's not enough to do it as a one-man job. We know famous YouTubers started like that, but again, The competition is crazy on YouTube. There are so many people doing professional videos that what you create and what you put out there has to be in terms of content, at least even if it's not a 4K video format, but it has to be clear, crisp. It has to have a good message. It has to create value. So completely agree, YouTube is a different game. But as you said, If you play for the long term, it might make sense to invest in YouTube. Yes.
1: And also it's really difficult because for example, on Instagram, you're posting images of your works or you're posting a tutorial or whatever on YouTube. In the other hand, you need to, you might need to speak in front of the camera. You need to have like speaking skills, you need to have, you need to be like charismatic, you need to be fun, Uh, all these things. It's like way more rather than just an image, you know, or something like that. You know, people want to know your personality and, you know, it's a lot to work on those.
0: Yes. And at the same time, you need to be authentic because if you just have a speech, but it doesn't feel authentic, then people will not engage. I saw many brands trying to create this very professional looking with a very good vibe and good feeling but from the outside you could see it that it is fake and it happened not so long ago uh, with the car brand that the guy who was speaking in front of the camera had this perfect mimics and this very well pronouncing every word and focusing uh, right into the camera and you the viewer had that feeling that oh this is really fake the guy who is speaking in front of the camera doesn't believe in what he says there's no connection it's the perfect setup but it's not authentic and people are not stupid and it's not enough to follow the quality standards you have to also, again, engage with people. And as you said, people engage with people. You know, like
1: 99% on YouTube, it's, it's all about transparency. It's all about personality, you know, and you, if you don't fit into that thing, then yeah, people are gonna figure it out if you're fake or not, you know? So it's good to behave natural. It's, it's, it's very important to be yourself on that platform.
0: Yeah, I think we went deep enough on these platforms, and as you are a designer, and as you have grown quite a lot in the last years, I also want to discuss on the professional side of design. So, what trends do you see emerging in digital design, and what practices are becoming outdated? Could you give us some examples of trending topics, and maybe what to watch out for the following years? yeah so there's like a couple of it you know,
1: for example, on Instagram, it's still ongoing this uh peerless chant colorful psychedelic abstract forms you know done in three dimensions or these metallic really colorful typography I don't know where it where it came from, but it was just ongoing it it looked really beautiful, but it's uh I don't think it will have longevity i think you're gonna come to a short end then there's like the kinetic typography you know these typography animations for example um this has been up for a long time now like five to six years i thought this gonna trend this trend is going to die out but it's still going hard and i believe it's still gonna be up forever because like typography is like crucially important you know and Every company wants this animation typography implemented, you know, because it just works on, on videos. It's really informative and it's, it's you know, like innovating. I mean, designers are all the way innovating all the time, this kinetic typo. And yeah, it plays a cru- crucial part, you know. And, and there's like another, another thing like in design that got like really popular, you know, with these NFTs, these board apes. I don't know if you saw this yacht club. They are, mm-hmm. they are selling these uh, board apes, you know, in exchange of uh, membership. And people went, went crazy and everyone is doing like some caricature dressed up in a thousand ways and they are trying to sell those without knowing what they are doing. And some of them do like that specific 1% understand the marketing, like how to sell and how it Things, works and moves but most of the people are just copy pasting you know what these guys did and they, they try to resell and uh yeah this nft world got wild you know it's going crazy and there's like a new fascinating design method that uh they, it got invented it's called the generative art basically this is I mean generative design. Basically this kind of design is done by coding. So you are coding and you're gonna see then in motion how your code is come to life in in, in forms and shapes. Um, there that has some a lot of possibilities because you know in Adobe After Effects or these motion software were like a little bit more limited, you couldn't do all sort of things what you wanted to do so there were like these interesting generative design solutions that were created and you can literally do anything from scratch and you need to understand how to code basically um Hmm. but yeah it was like last year which I was like doing the trend things also I was it was like a lot of optical illusions I was crushing it there it was like really trendy on instagram you know um, designs and logos made in grids you know and lines and circles that was also a really popular topic i was also crushing it there on instagram until i could but after that i i basically stagnated and decided to slow it down with the whole thing but yeah mainly these were the things you know the biggest one is like the nft
0: Thanks for your thoughts. I would like to take two of these trends and discuss a bit more in detail because I see these two quite interesting. One of these is typography. As you said, this is something that's been here for a while and I agree with you, I think it will stay here. But for those who are not familiar, as I said, in our audience are a lot of business people. So could you explain really simply what typography is? Where is it used? What's the most interesting ways to use it? And maybe also what are the potential downsides, if there are any, to use typography? So mainly these typographies, I mean, they're describing something,
1: they want to tell a story, you know, by images or or some video content like mainly these um brands there who are implementing these you know and um they don't uh use their voice to talk and basically they are using these animated typography you know and they are telling in every slide something about the image or something at that event and you know, if you read a simple text that, you know, you, you see, okay, we got something going on and we're going to read it and we're going to understand it, but, uh, that's not that attractive, you know, and there's like these kinetic typos where basically you have the text, but the text is animated, you know, it's interacting, it is moving, it is, uh, it has all sort of effects, you know, it's, it's twisted, you know, it, it's, it can bounce so you can add all sort of funky animations and make it really interesting you know to the eye and i had a specific guy who did only these sort of uh kinetic typographies and talked about the importance like uh on instagram especially because a lot of businesses nowadays are talking about like this you know they are posting something and they are putting the text on so they can tell a story they can give value mm-hmm. this way and uh, this guy was saying that how important it is to animate those stories to animate those feeds uh, you know at least the typographic uh, aspect of that and it was showing demonstrating examples uh, with carousels on instagram it's like it was like really interesting and then it's really fun to watch. You know, it creates a lot more engagement rather than on a simple text on an image. And it's implemented everywhere. It's implemented on video clips. It, it is implemented. In, it is implemented in in news. For example, if you are if you are watching the news and under it, it's describing, you know, in short what is going on. It is being animated. You know, how it is appearing or it is disappearing and. It's, it's huge, it's, this thing plays a, a very important role
0: in in businesses and, and in news. Cool, thanks for the explanation. Yes, typography should be part of every brand's communication and specifically visual communication strategy. I also want to ask you to talk a bit more on the NFT part. Uh, so that's the second topic I wanted to touch more on. As you said, the last year was crazy. Personally, I think the craziness is not yet over. Of course, there are ups and downs and this is something new. It's very volatile. So it's something that is not stable. But still, I'm curious, what do you think? If somebody wants to connect digital design with NFTs, what's the best way to do it? how would you do it would you do it or you think this is something that isn't worth investing in right now
1: well it's a good idea to do it i mean your art at least get uh, authenticity you know if you make an nft out of it then you know exactly people know exactly that that piece of art is yours you know it has that code on it or I don't know how the process behind, to be honest, I wasn't that much informed about NFTs. I gathered as much info as possible, but you know, it's, it's, it's real. It's here. Uh, I saw this 3d artist Beeples who succeeded, su- who succeeded the most out of this thing. He collected like I think $66 million or something like that in, in three, four days selling all, all his digital assets. And he got yeah. really famous out of this stuff. And, yeah, uh, the thing is, like, this NFT is just not just art-related, how I saw. So everything can be converted in NFT, for example. People inv- are investing in, in NFT real estate. You know, they're buying real estate proper- properties in the metaverse. I'm, like, shocked, like, what is going on? So it's like really we're getting into the matrix somewhat, you know, and then people want to be a part of it, you know. So there's like a lot of bells and whistles. And I was like two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, I was like on a a virtual meta uh, exhibition, art exhibition, NFT art exhibition. So it was like a video game. You could move your mouse. You can walk using your keyboards, you know, those letters where you walk in, in video games and that way you can watch the art digitally and there's like a lot of weird things that are going and are involved into these nfts and then yeah i don't know if it's a bubble it's gonna pass away or if it's gonna stay i think it's, it's gonna be like the same way as crypto you know it exploded
0: but it just stuck with us and yeah i'm curious Thanks for your thoughts. It will be interesting to see in what direction NFTs will go. Of course, some NFTs are completely overrated and it's only a question of time when the bubble will burst. But also for those who are interested on the topic, there are some parts in terms of technology which can really create value. The issue right now, as you said, There are a lot of people trying to make huge wins without trying to understand the value creation behind it and without actually uh, caring about the value they create. So yes, there's 1% who can do it, but it's still an industry that is in the status of forming, so it's hard to see in which direction we'll go. Let's see how it will stay with us. And going to a next phase in our discussion, I really like to get from everybody who comes to this show a perspective on how they see the future. And as we draw close to the end of this episode, I want to play a game of imagination with you. So what do you think? How will the digital design industry look in 10 years from now? Mm, that's a great question well the first thought like which i saw you know from my
1: experience um in these softwares most specifically in in the adobe softwares in photoshop illustrator and all these things um they are advancing a lot so they're they're making like incredible changes and you know creating design is becoming easier and easier and you know using these tools are becoming easier and easier you know for example how i did before a couple of years like how i cropped an image you know how i selected the model from the image to cut out that model it was like so difficult to do in 2020 in photoshop you just do it with one single click and it's gonna, it's gonna select the models every single hair one by one perfectly so it advanced you know it's not perfect but at least 90 percent is really accurate it's way beyond that you know how a human can do it so imagine if we're at, at that's at this stage how it's going to be like in 10 years probably everything is going to be like really automatic you know um then in the other hand you're going to think like hey wait a second but we got the ai the robots going to take over our jobs and all that stuff um, that's a difficult answer to to give you know because let's be real a lot of robots are already taking our jobs you know and what 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 is going to happen in design you know in the creative industry um, i was also talking about talking with uh, with specific psychologists or emotional intelligence experts you know and their answer was like you know like uh, robots can't learn emotions and in the other hand uh, for example an animal don't have imaginations and we humans have imaginations and this this is a one single factor that kind of separates us the same thing with the robot so far we got these really smart AIs were really intelligent but so far they couldn't so far I didn't saw they they managed to make any fantasy or any imaginations you know they're just programmed to do something to solve a problem and you know creating something being creative inventing something takes imagination so this is why I think you know, our space, you know, the creative industry is still safe because we still get the disadvantage, you know, to be creative and and others cannot replicate like these uh, robots still cannot replicate it for the AI. But yeah, another thing is like this, uh, you know, VR thing, you know, virtual reality, the metaverse is getting real you know, with, with these VR goggles, you know, and, and creating inside with VR goggles. I'm thinking that you can create 3D designs with, uh, with VR, you know, and, and paintings, you know, in three dimensions. That's also very interesting. And also I'm hoping that uh, this generative art is going to go big and uh, it's going to evolve because it's like really small now. It's a really new technology and 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 it's uh it has a lot of potential you know i also saw like the ai this artificial intelligence you know started creating art for example but it's generative art somehow it's, it, somehow it's really repetitive and i also was talking about that you know the ai will not that we'll, we won't get creative you know and then i remember that this thing you know it's it's really interesting how you know, the AI started to create art. I'm, I mean, they are doing demonstrations, like how the AI is trying to do art. And uh, you basically upload images and uh, the AI is converting those images and it's like doing crazy things with it. Uh, but it's still kind of repetitive. You know, it, it, you can see it's a pattern going on and they're doing the same thing after a while. And I'm curious, like where that technology is going to be in 10 years too. But yeah, um, these things
0: were my thoughts like so far. Thank you. I want to tap into creativity because I think that's one of the values. And maybe in 10 years, people will prove me wrong. But today, I think that is the value we humans have. And it's not easy to copy. And I can explain it with a very simple example. As you said, you can have algorithms creating design. But the question is, why is it creating it? The answer, because somebody is pushing the right levers to create it. And even if it's an analogy, you know what I mean. There's no purpose behind. And when we humans create something, there's... Always a purpose, be it for entertainment, be it for education, be it for explanation, be it for joy. There's something that motivates us and what I think is hard to replicate in terms of technology is to have these algorithms, some kind of purpose that is coming from themselves and that purpose to be similar to what we have because of course you can expand the capabilities of intelligence uh, specifically artificial intelligence to do certain topics and there are various methods to use different machine learning technologies so these algorithms learn by themselves but the question is what is the motivation and i think with creativity we can have our own motivation It's not driven by somebody else. And depending on the scenarios, it can be creativity applied to strategy, to design, to communication, even to collaboration. So that's something hard to copy. And I believe that part will be our job and our responsibility as humankind to be responsible for being creative in solving challenges. And as you said, the machines, the algorithms, should help in the parts where the work is repetitive, where you need to do the same thing again and again.
1: Yes, also like I was watching a conference, you know, a while ago with like Elon Musk and he was talking about like, for in the future, like nobody will have a job, like it will be replaced by robots and then we're gonna have to find a solution, what to do with people, you know, what jobs to give to people and it was like really hard to digest that uh speech there and still now it's hard to imagine but slowly you know more and more robots and, and these artificial Im- Im- intelligency are are helping you know the industry in, in different sectors and areas and solving problems that a human can't or they can do it better
0: yeah, it's an idea that our audience can think of and let's see how the future will look. Um, but before closing, I just have one last question. If you could tell us what would you change in design if you had the possibility to change only one thing, what would that be? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, so far in design it's pretty rich already. I mean, there's like so many things that had been invented already. I was, I wasn't even, I I don't know if if like, what else could you add more or change? Because everything is going so well and and how I saw at least (laughs) we got everything like literally i mean adobe is like inventing all sorts of ways and possibilities what to do in de- in in design you know i don't know to be honest like uh, so far i'm i'm really satisfied with the well yeah there's like this one thing you know the the adobe has this like these subscriptions these, these really expensive su- subscriptions you know and maybe if they can change that you know i mean if i could change it or how was the question but but if that could be changed you know and maybe some other alternatives you know some more simpler ways because it was like this transition from okay we buy the product from to okay now it's with subscription or annual subscription or annual or or monthly subscription that was the only thing that a little bit annoying but in the other hand they are doing a great job they are advancing way faster and and improving their softwares so yeah overall everything is is pretty cool i mean i don't think i would change them much in in, in design
0: interesting perspective and on that note Let's hope that we'll see the industry grow with highly skilled designers such as yourself. It's certain that the digital world holds many opportunities and adventures for those who know where to look for them. So thank you, Robert, for sharing your story, your tips, your tricks, and I really enjoyed this conversation. I think we went beyond design We went to marketing and into data, so I'm grateful for that. And you most definitely made our creative spirit hungry for new challenges and wishing you success for this upcoming year. And yes, let's keep in touch.
1: Thank you so much. And also thank you for having me and also wish you the best also. Hope we're going to hear each other also soon.
0: Thanks. If you want to read more on similar topics, please subscribe at think.cognitivecreators.com to the Cogniverse blog, where I share relevant insights on creating real business value through digital, how artificial intelligence can assist digital growth and how business transformations are carried out through revolutionary digital technology. These are all real-life examples, learnings, and insights that matter and can make a difference in your journey towards digital. With that said, I hope you enjoyed this episode and keep being persistent on your digital activities. Until next time, bye-bye.